This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. Senator Richard Burr has called for an ethics investigation into himself and three other senators who sold off stock after receiving classified briefings on the coronavirus threat. The sales came before stocks collapsed as the virus outbreak became a global pandemic. Joining me is former federal prosecutor Robert Mintz, a part in McCarter in English. Is this a question of insider trading? Is it just ethics violations? What is it if it's not from a company? Well, it's really all the above, June. Uh, really what regulators will be looking at here is whether or not there's potential insider trading or whether there's a potential violation of something called the Stock Act of 2012, which is really just like insider trading. And what it really focuses on is whether or not individuals sold stock while in possession of information that was not yet publicly available and whether or not that information was material to the pricing of the stock, the same exact standard that is used in all insider trading cases. In a tweet on Friday, Senator Burr denied any wrongdoing, saying that he relied solely on public news reports to inform his decisions. How will investigators decide whether that's true? Well, it's really very much the challenge that is faced in all insider trading cases, and that is trying to get inside the head of the trader to determine what caused the individual to make the trading decisions that were made. And of course, again, it has to be information that is non-public and it has to be material, which means it would have had to have caused a significant change in the stock price. So here in the, in the situation of, of Senator Burr, we really have a circumstance where he was apparently privy to quite a few briefings. Um, many of those briefings were information that was publicly available, but then there was also a briefing that occurred apparently on February 12th, which focused on the United States being ready for this potential epidemic, but also touched on the possible economic fallout. And it was the very next day, February 13th, that apparently Senator Burr sold off some 33 different stock holdings worth a collective uh, $628,000 to $1.7 million, which represented a significant share of his portfolio. Another senator under scrutiny is Georgia Republican Kelly Loeffler. She sold off millions of dollars worth of stock beginning on January 24th. That's the day the health committee she sits on was briefed by U.S. public health officials. Um, she would have lost up to $1.5 million if she held on to those stocks. I heard her say that these are trades that she didn't know about, that they're done automatically without her knowing about them until afterwards. Yeah, well, as when any insider stock deal, you have to show that the person was the one who directed the trading. That doesn't mean that they would have had to have done it themselves. They certainly could have instructed their broker. But if you have a circumstance, as some of the senators and some of the House members who did trade have now stated publicly that these decisions were made without their involvement, that they were either held in a blind trust or that there were investment advisors who were making these decisions without their input, then that would be a defense to any insider trading charges or a, a potential violation of the Stock Act of 2012. What about not attending that meeting? Senators Dianne Feinstein, a Democrat from California, and James Inhofe, a Republican from Oklahoma, also sold assets after that January 24th briefing. But they both denied even attending the meeting, and Feinstein said her assets were held in a blind trust. So if they didn't attend the meeting but they still sold, does that have bearing? 
It absolutely could. It really doesn't so much depend on whether you attended the meeting. It, it depends on whether you had the information. So, for example, if you didn't attend the meeting, but one of the other senators who did pass along the information to you and then you used that uh, to trade on it, it could potentially be a violation of either of those two statutes, the insider trading laws or the Stock Act of 2012. There's also the possibility that the SEC could take a look at this from a civil enforcement standard, and that would be a, a case where the standard of proof would be lower than there would be in a criminal case. Basically, regulators would have to convince a judge or a jury that the accused public official recklessly and consciously uh, indifferent uh, to their fiduciary duties took these steps, and they would only have to prove that by a preponderance of evidence. So not only are they potentially looking at criminal charges here, that's a possibility. There's also SEC taking civil enforcement actions, and then there's also the possibility of ethics investigations by the Senate or by the House into some of these trades. But again, they would have to look at the timing of it, what information was available to the individual directing the trade, and then they'd have to uh, surmount that difficult hurdle of proving that the material, that the information was material and that the decision was made based upon non-public information. And in the case of Senator Burr, for example, we could see that he was privy to both public and non-public information and proving that it was the non-public information that precipitated the trading decision is a difficult one. But that's the same um, high hurdle that's faced by prosecutors in all insider trading cases. The same high hurdle was faced by the SEC in all civil enforcement actions. In the ethics investigations, is it a different standard? Is it a different kind of inquiry? Uh, yeah, that, that's a completely different kind of investigation. It's done um, by Senate or House members themselves. And uh, history tells us that rarely are sanctions imposed by those investigations, but that can ultimately re result in the Senate uh, or the House voting to remove a member if they believe there has been a violation. So that is another option. In fact, Senator Burr has publicly called for an investigation by the Senate Ethics Committee into these trades in an attempt to clear his name. Yeah, there's no question that the investigations by House or Senate committees is going to be a, a standard that is less than what prosecutors would have to meet in order to bring either civil or criminal charges. But you raise a good point here because what we're seeing in many ways is a pattern that is similar to the financial crisis of 2008, where we saw uh, individuals in corporate America being pro uh, prosecuted uh, by the SEC, mainly uh, where we had instances of politically connected corporate insiders atop financial institutions who had advanced knowledge of bailouts in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis and who used that information for stock trades anticipating the market reaction. So I think what we're going to see here is a delay in enforcement. We're certainly not going to see regulators moving quickly on any of this, given the fact that they're all working from home and there's quite a bit of other things going on in the market that SEC officials are going to have to be looking at. But they are going to be looking down the road at trades by various people. This could be months, could be even years later, because whenever you see this kind of market volatility, it presents a heightened opportunity for insider trading. And we're going to see regulators looking at the trading patterns of certain individuals to see whether or not there's a possibility they were using inside information in order to make those trading decisions. So, Bob, explain basically what insider trading is. Sure. The body of insider trading law points to some key guidance when you're looking at what is legal and what is illegal. Basically, it comes down to don't trade on non-public information about listed companies. Don't tell someone else to trade on it. 
and don't lie if authorities have questions for you about your trades or investments. The, the problem and the challenge for prosecutors always with insider trading cases is demonstrating the cause and effect, which can get kind of murky. Insider trading cases are not easy to make, which is why you don't see them frequently prosecuted, and they're often complicated. Insider trading, remember, is only illegal when the information is material, meaning that it would have caused a significant change in the stock price. And it's also only illegal when the information is known by the trader and not the public. So it really requires prosecutors to get inside the head of the trader, which they have to do circumstantially by showing the pattern of trading prior to the incident, which they believe is based on insider information and showing that based on the circumstantial evidence, the timing, the amount of trades, all of that put together, it shows that the individual is making the decision not based on public information and not based on their past trading patterns, but arguably based on information that was not available to the public and was ultimately material in the stock price. So is the fear here that corporate insiders could trade based on advanced knowledge of, let's say, government relief for airlines or other companies before the measures are made public? Oh, absolutely. There's going to be, unfortunately, lots of opportunities here due to the enormous market volatility that we're seeing and the possibility of government bailouts and corporate insiders who may have information about those bailouts before it's publicly known obviously will have the opportunity to potentially trade on that information before the market reacts. That's the kind of thing that regulators will be looking at, but it's probably information that they'll be looking at in a delayed way down the road. They're just not going to have the ability to look at this kind of trading activity in real time. We're going to see some delay months, maybe even years before regulators can catch up on some of the trading that may occur during the period of market volatility connected to the coronavirus. Daniel Taylor, who is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Business School, said that the pattern we saw with the financial crisis appears to be repeating itself. Can you explain a little bit about what happened then compared to what's happening now? Sure. What we're talking about here is the same potential government bailout system where we saw in the financial crisis of 2008, there were instances in which politically connected corporate insiders at financial institutions who may have had advanced knowledge about these bailouts in the wake of that 2008 financial crisis use that information for stock trades anticipating the market reaction. So in other words, if they were privy to information that a bailout was coming and they knew that was going to cause a jump in the stock price, which at that point had been enormously depressed, they could trade on that information. And given the fact that we can expect to see a similar amount of government bailouts to different industries, such as the airline industry and others, that information presents opportunities for those to trade on that information. This heightened opportunity for insider trading is something that that regulators will no doubt be looking at, and those trading records will be available to them after the fact to try to figure out the timing of when those trades were made versus the information that may have been available to these corporate insiders to try to piece together a, a case for insider trading. But these cases, again, are always difficult to prove. And so it remains to be seen whether we're going to see a real spike in insider trading prosecutions in the wake of some of these anticipated government bailouts. Bob, if you remember, were any executives given jail time for insider trading during the financial crisis, or was it mainly penalties that they had to pay? No, that's a a great example, because even during the bailouts of 2008, we saw 
very few insider trading cases actually being brought where people were criminally responsible. Uh, for example, uh, Angelo Mazzillo, who was the co-founder and CEO of Countrywide Financial, this is a very high-profile case in which this mortgage company faced financial collapse in 2008 before being purchased by Bank of America. And in that case, uh, Mr. Mazzillo paid a multi-million dollar penalty to the SEC, but never uh, admitted or denied any wrongdoing, and there were no criminal charges brought. It's an example of how difficult it is to bring these types of cases. You think years before we'll see any of these cases? Yeah, I think we're going to have to wait to see uh, how this whole crisis plays out on the economy. There's going to be instances where uh, there are drug approvals. There's going to be Medicare coverage issues. There's going to be government bailout issues. There's all kinds of information that is going to have an impact on the market uh, and will result in markets either moving up or down. And that information presents opportunities always for people to trade on that information. But it will take the government years, probably rather than months, to unravel whether or not there was anything done illegally in any of these trades. That's former federal prosecutor Robert Mintz, a partner with Carter in English. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.